Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning, CF family. Buenos dias, buenos dias. Happy Thanksgiving. It's still Thanksgiving if you have leftovers in your house. No, no, no. Thanksgiving is every day. It's not just on Thanksgiving Day. Of course, on Thanksgiving Day, um, it's highlighted, but every single day we have to give thanks to the Lord. Um, I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. I know for many of us, it was eating a lot of food, right? How many of you are starting your diets on Monday? I am. I am. We're going to be starting Monday. You could join me on Monday for a little diet. We start together. But definitely at Thanksgiving, you spend time with your family, with your friends, and just being able to, um, you know, even some of you watch movies, some of you played games, just a great, great time together. But one of the biggest things that sometimes doesn't happen really in Thanksgiving, sometimes, of course, we gather in the beginning, we say a prayer thanking God, but do we really just take a moment to thank God? Because God has given all of us so many blessings in our lives that so many times we don't pause to go to God and just to thank him. So because of that, I wanted to do something a little different this morning um, for Sunday morning is we're going to have a time period where we're going to share brief, very brief, like 15 seconds of just thanking God for something specific that might be on your heart. So that's why I kept the microphone. I usually don't keep the microphone. But in case someone's here that wants to thank God for something, it could be something that God's blessed you with, something that God's doing in your life, something that you're believing God that he's going to do even in this new year. Uh, We're just going to have a couple people briefly, 15 seconds, just to share. You could just come right up the stairs this way or on that side, and you could give Thanks to God and in front of um, everyone. So does anyone want to come? Oh, Irma's going to come up. Irma, Irmuta. You could come up this way. And just anyone else that wants to come up, you could just come up and stand here behind me right now as well. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I just want to praise the Lord and thank him for his mercy. I was flooded out twice this year uh, by uh, the tornado and Hurricane Henry, and I thought I would have to go to the bank and get a loan for at least twenty over $20,000, and praise God, he supplied all my needs. So I want to thank him for that. I want to thank him for my grandson, Richie. Uh, he's here, praise God, and his faithfulness. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Praise the Lord. I would just like to give thanks to God, who has, at my age of 80, put me in full-time ministry. Uh, we're ministering into 26 countries, and we need, we've been able to adopt a couple of orphanages, and we're supporting some families that are in poverty, and I just thank God that he's an awesome God, and that he would use a wretch like me. Thank you so much for sharing, brother. You could step up a little bit more here. I want to pray for everybody at our church. Thank for everything they did for me, and I love everybody. Amen. Oh, we love you too, Marianne. All right, brother and sisters, Pastor Carl said, give thanks. It's not only Thanksgiving or Christmas. To be thankful for every day that God wakes you up with him and his son. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for sharing. Good morning, Pastor Carlos and all of you. Um, I'm thankful for the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what was done at the cross in Calvary. I'm just thankful that through that finished work that my soul could be saved. 
and through his work here at the church that we have a privilege and an opportunity to let everyone else know about the good news and what's made available for us through awesome. Jesus Christ. And hallelujah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hesitated coming up here, but I have to share this. Sometimes we don't see the unseen. And I was driving to a dinner party with my husband. And if those of you who ever drove with me, I have a little bit of a lead foot. And there was this guy who cut me off. And uh, I was a little annoyed. Um, But I would say maybe less than a quarter of a mile down the road, a deer came running in front of us, and we only missed it by about a foot. And if that car didn't delay me, we would have been totaled, our car would have been totaled, maybe we wouldn't even be here. So I thank God for those times. Awesome, awesome. If you could share, Kate. As some of you know, I've been having problems with my housing, but I'm just so grateful for the resources I found and... I have confidence in Jesus that he's going to find me a safe and wonderful place to make my home. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. And for the last two, you got to stand up here so they can see you. We have two young men here that want to thank God. I am thankful for all my... Oh, there's so many things you forgot. Well, what are you thankful for? For your parents? For your family? For your, from God. From God? Hey, let's thank God. Oh. All right. So we're, I'm thankful from God. Okay, awesome. We'll put this down. It's a lot of pressure to be on, on stage to see everybody. I think he knew exactly what he wanted to say on the way up. Then all of a sudden, he looked at all of your eyes and said, oh, I'm in trouble. So definitely, I know that every single one of you could easily think of something that you want to thank God about. Um, Because God has been good, and he's good all the time. I, I want to just also take a moment just to thank all of you that helped out on Thanksgiving Day, whether it was Cook volunteer, support, donate, and of course, you're giving when you give your tithe and offering goes to support it. On Thanksgiving Day, we provided our community meal that we've done every year for many years. We didn't do it last year, sit down, but even in the middle of COVID, we still prepared meals and we prepared to-go containers for people. But um, this Thanksgiving, we, we had a great time. We had about 125 to 150 people that's estimated that came by and had a Thanksgiving meal and got to spend time with us here on Thanksgiving. And I want to also thank the Elizabeth Police Department, our police chief, uh, the state police was represented as well. They came and served. It was very safe that Thanksgiving here at the church. I felt very safe. Like, you know, like all of a sudden you have about 25 officers all together. So it was a great time. So just want to thank all of you for your commitment. Um, why don't we thank God for all everyone that helped and participated? I want to start off with two main points, a little different, but it's going to be right behind me. It says this, unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. So think about that. You could be grateful, but if it's not expressed, it's ingratitude. So here, unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. And the second point is this. Ingratitude communicates, I don't see you, see, value, or appreciate you. So ingratitude communicates, I don't see, value, or appreciate you. So when we don't express our thankfulness towards a person, towards a situation, towards God, really what we're communicating, it might not be something that we mean to say, but what we communicate is, I don't see you, I don't value you, I don't appreciate you. In Luke chapter 17, 
There's a very interesting story here with Jesus. It starts off this, uh, like this in verse 11. It says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, I just want to say this is a very, very remote area here. There's not a lot of people. It's very remote around that border. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance. So it was more than six feet. Yeah, so you, you picture it's like, oh, six feet, three feet, you know, uh, the corona type of thing. This is beyond that with leprosy. They usually people stayed really away from them. And when you have leprosy, you would shout it out, unclean, let people know that you're there, that you're coming around, because it's highly contagious, highly contagious. In addition to that, there was no cure for it. And really, everybody, when they had it, uh, they feared it because not only did it um, affect your skin, and uh, really deteriorated your skin, you could start losing your limbs, your fingers, your, your arms, like, you know, your legs. Like, it could really destroy you little by little, like your health when it comes to that, and of course your skin. So all of a sudden, as he was going to the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Now, something that's interesting here is that obviously we know here they're in the border, and there's a mix of group of Jews and Samaritans. And if you know the history, they didn't get along at all. Like it's almost, you can picture like, like almost like two gangs that don't get along. They don't get along at all, the Jews and Samaritans. But here in the remote area on the um, border, because they're unclean and they have leprosy, they were together. How many of you know that sometimes, like when you're like in a tough situation, you make alliances with people you don't really agree with because you're trying to get through and survive. Now, all of a sudden here, you have a group of Samaritans and Jews that have leprosy. And because of them being in common with leprosy, they put their political differences aside, their religious differences aside, and they were together on survival mode, just to be able to do like what they need to do to get by. So here, as we continue, it says this in um, verse 13, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. So I want you to put yourself uh, we're going we're gonna, to um, take a pause right there um, um, at the moment with the verses. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of one of the lepers. So I want you to picture yourself being one of the lepers. You're going up to Jesus. You're calling out to God. And you ask God, have pity on me. God, look at what I'm, ha- I'm going through. I want you to have pity on me so that you would be able to heal me, touch me, and restore my health. What after you cry out to Jesus, what, do you, what would you want Jesus to say immediately afterwards? Don't, all, all of you don't speak at the same time, all right? Like, what, what do you want to hear? Be thou healed. Wouldn't you want to hear that right afterwards? Jesus looks at you and says, be healed. Or Jesus walks up to you and touches you while everyone's running away from you, here Jesus, let's say, would approach you, touch you, and say, be healed. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said something completely different at that moment. He, um, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. So when you think about it, if you're living with leprosy, and right now this moment, here, we might not have leprosy in our lives, but there's other things that are happening in our lives that might be in a category that's destroying us, you could say, or deteriorating our life, whether it's emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever might be happening in our lives, but we might be encountering something similar. 
you come and approach God and say, God, have pity on me, heal me, touch me, uh, restore me. And then Jesus turns around and doesn't answer you the way you expect him to answer you at all. Has God ever not answered you or didn't move the way you expected him to move in your life? That's happened to me many times where all of a sudden it's like I I expected or I desired for something to happen even instantly and it didn't happen. And you could almost picture God giving you a response completely different from that was on the radar. So Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. Because in that day, like if you had leprosy, you would have to go to the priest to get an all clear that you're okay to be able to go back to the community with everyone else. It's almost as if you had the coronavirus and you're quarantining at home and all of a sudden you know you got to go see your doctor to be able, or you got to go to a place, one of these um, um, urgent cares and things, to be able to do your test, the PCR test, just to get the all clear that you're negative. So on the side note, yo, those PCR tests, yo, when I, it makes you cry, yo. Thing. They have to come up. I know they have a couple other tests out there that are a little better, but the one the, the nasal. So you, you, you cry out to Jesus a lot during that time. So all of a sudden, like here you have the lepers that they have to go to the priest to be able to get the all clear from him to be able to go back into the community. So Jesus does something different. He says this, go show yourselves to the priest. But there was a problem here because they weren't healed yet. They weren't healed when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. They heard Jesus say, go show yourself to the priest. And they looked down and they looked at their skin filled with leprosy. I wonder if you would be one of those lepers at that moment. How would you have reacted? Like, would you have said, come on, God, you didn't heal me. You didn't touch me. You didn't restore me. I'm not. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. I'm going back to my place and just stay there. You must not be the one. What would you have done at that moment when you weren't healed and Jesus is telling you to go show yourself to the priest and you might even see it as an insult in some way. It's like, how are you going to tell me to do something when the healing hasn't occurred. I know people through the years that have told me, I I bump into them. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? How's your relationship with God? And they're like, what relationship? I don't follow God no more. And I say, how come you don't follow God no more? I asked him for help. He didn't come through. I prayed and God didn't answer. I looked to God for him to come through in a particular situation and he didn't come through. So I walked away. Now, I nicely remind them, it's like, hey, you know, he's God and we're not. And we're not going to understand all his ways. We won't know why he does things. And we know that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we just have to trust that his vantage point is completely different than our vantage point. But here you have a situation that's interesting because as you continue on verse 14, it says this, and as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. So right there, it said Luke 17, 14, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, as they were in the journey they were cleansed. So when you think about that, like that, that didn't happen like just because Jesus wanted them to be on the journey to receive the healing. He wanted to know if the lepers trust what he was saying. 
Jesus didn't immediately heal them, but he healed them in the journey of them walking. I wish I could be there at that moment, standing there at the side or even being one of those lepers. And all of a sudden, as I'm walking in the journey, seeing the skin disease automatically leave my body. The areas where I lost limbs, the limbs growing back, they were healed from leprosy. A miracle happened, but it happened in the journey. And when you think about that for us, is they had to step out in faith before they received the healing. The journey had to unfold before the miracle happened. And to me, that's a spiritual principle. A lot of us, we want God to move and to move now. We want God to do things the way we expect him to do things. And God gently reminds all of us, he's like, you know what? I am God, God says. And you have to obey me. And when I tell you a command, you walk in it. Even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else, you walk. And as you're walking in the journey, the healing happens. You see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. With their eyes, they saw leprosy on their skin, but they still chose to walk. The healing didn't happen instantly. With their physical eyes, they saw that things haven't changed, but they're like, God, I'm going to walk and obey what you said, and I'm going to go to the priest, and in the journey, the miracle occurred. There's going to be a slide behind me. It says this. We're called to walk by faith no matter what our eyes, feelings, circumstances, and enemies are declaring. I'm going to read it again. We are called to walk by faith no matter what our eyes, feelings, circumstances, and enemies are declaring. And I want you to, even at this moment, to look at your own life and what are, is everyone else declaring over your life and you know that you have to walk in faith despite of that. So I want you to even think about that right now. I'm going to give you a moment while I take a sip. Because we need to understand that our eyes are going to deceive us What we see, that's why it says we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith, because what we see with our eyes will deceive us, will discourage us, will distract us, will deter us, and we can't go by what we see. We can't go, we can't go also by our feelings, because our feelings, sometimes we wake up in the morning and for no reason you feel sad, you feel depressed, you feel lonely. You feel like, uh, like, you know, like this sadness over your life or angry or frustrated. Like our feelings, we can't go by our feelings. Because our feelings, obviously God made us with feelings. But a lot of times, we, emotionally, there's things in our life that makes us unstable. And because we don't have the mental health, like our mental health has been affected. And emotionally, all of a sudden, it's like things are unstable. We start believing what our feelings are telling us more than what God's word and his truth is telling us. So even though our feelings are trying to declare things over our life, we need to silence what our feelings are saying and amplify what God is saying over our life. What about our circumstances? Right now, this moment, there's people here that don't know where they're going to live. There's people here that are looking for work. There are people here that barely have any money to their name. There's people here that physically, they just keep getting bad reports from their doctors. There's people here that are struggling with sadness and depression because of loss that they've had in their families. There's people here that just don't know what next step to take. There's people that might be sitting here or even watching through social media that might be considering taking their own life because they don't feel like there's a purpose 
for them living. There's so many different circumstances that surround us that could speak to us and declare things over us that are lies from the pit of hell. But yet so many times because it makes so much noise and because it's screaming at us, we don't listen to God's voice. We tend to listen to the voices around us. And all the circumstances that you're going through, they don't define who you are. Your circumstances, your feelings, everything that you're going through, it doesn't define who you are. You're a child of God. No matter what anyone else might say, no matter what might be happening in your life, you need to realize that you're loved, you're valued, you're seen, you're appreciated, and God has a purpose for your life. And we need to stay close to listen to him so that we would obey his voice, walk in the journey, and be able to be healed by God. What would you have done if you were one of those lepers? Would you have gone back home or would have walked the journey towards the priest? A question I have to ask you is this. How do you respond to the promise of God, promises of God in your life? The Bible has so many promises that would be for us. And in addition to that, I know that God has revealed things to us as well. How do we respond to these promises? Do we just don't believe it? Do we just don't walk in the journey by faith? Are we the ones that we only act and move if we see something happening? I know most of us were from New Jersey, from most of us probably from Elizabeth, but a lot of Christians, they're from the Missouri state. They're from Missouri. They're from the show me state. From the show me state. So Missouri, their, their slogan, it's like the show me state. They have to see it to believe it. A lot of Christians spiritually are born in Missouri because they call themselves Christians, but they don't walk by faith. They only walk towards the direction of God if they see something happening. It's almost a leper that all of a sudden Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. He's like, I'm not taking one step towards the priest until I see at least my little pinky get healed something. Something like my little dedito ahí. sana el dedito, Jesús, ¿qué pasa? You know what I mean? Like some of us, don't want to even take a step towards the direction God's calling us until we see something. And I've said this before. Some of us, we know how to Christianize our disobedience, really. We, we Christianize it because we say, well, you know what, Carlos? I'm not moving. I'm not moving or doing anything. I'm just going to spend time praying about it. And I, like, p- p- picture that moment. Jesus telling the lepers, go show yourselves to the um, priest. And all of a sudden, the leper said, well, you know what, Jesus? I haven't really seen anything happen yet. Like, I need to see something. I'm from the spiritual Missouri state. I'm going to stay here until I see evidence that you're actually moving and that you are who you are. So I'm just going to continue praying until I actually see a manifestation of a healing on me. Some Christians would do that. Some Christians don't want to move on something that's obvious that God wants them to do. God said, do it until they receive what they want to receive. Because the reality is they don't want to walk by faith. They want to walk by sight because they want to see it to believe it and and be able to walk towards the direction they want to go to. Another thing, do you have to see the miracle before walking out? There's a point that's going to be behind me here um, too that it says this, how many promises have we failed to see in our lives because we have chosen to walk by sight and not by faith? How many promises have we failed to see in our lives because we have chosen to walk by sight and not by faith. It says this, 
where we left off in verse 14. Uh, We already said, and as they went, they were healed. Verse 15 says this. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. So he was in the journey. One of them decided to come back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. I, I, I love that. I like, just even pause at the moment. He didn't like, you think he cared about what anyone else thought at that moment or, you know, anything? Or he didn't just go back and say, hey, Jesus, you know, like, just give him a pound or something. Be like, everything's good. You know, thank you so much for healing me. He threw himself at his feet. He threw himself at his feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So I love how that passage highlights he was a Samaritan. There, it was a mix of Jews and Samaritans there, but the one that was most unlikely to do it did it. And then it said this, Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? And of course, Jesus knows all 10 was cleansed, but he still asked, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, the, one, the Samaritan? I want you to realize that Jesus here highlighted ingratitude. He highlighted ingratitude. Jesus didn't have to say any of that. Like, think about it. It's like all of a sudden you have Jesus there. Here comes one of the lepers running throws himself at Jesus' feet, thanks him. Jesus could have just been like, you know, thank you so much. I love you. I care about you. Hug them. End the story. It would have been a great, uh, like, story for us to read. Even if it would have ended like that, it would have been an amazing story that one person came back. But Jesus highlights ingratitude. And the thing is, he um, highlights it in three statements. It's not like he just said it once, like, hey, weren't there 10 of you? Where's the other nine? And just continued. Three statements. He says, we're not all 10 cleansed. He asked a question, statement number uh, one. The next one, where are the other nine? And then he says another statement. Has no one returned to give praise to God? So here, Jesus is highlighting ingratitude. Now, do you think the other nine were grateful that they were healed? Do you think that they were grateful? You guys are not sleeping on me, right? No te duermas. No te duermas. Do you think the other nine were uh, happy? Yo, you had believed they were having a paranda all the way to the priest. They were just having, they were celebrating. They were excited. You know, like they were probably like in their own hearts, just thanking God, but internally. And they were just having a great party jumping. I wonder how many like high fives they gave each other, like fist bumps, like locking arms, like running down the the path all the way to the priest, full speed to the priest. But yet there was one that decided it was more important for him to go back to Jesus to say thanks than go to the priest and be let to go back to the community and have a normal life. There was one that recognize where the source of the healing came from. There was one that couldn't take a step forward without going back and thanking God for what he's done. There was one that couldn't even think of the freedoms that he would have now and the liberty because of not having leprosy without going back to God, and to thank him. Now, the other nine were grateful, but remember the statement I said in the beginning, unexpressed gratitude 
is ingratitude. It doesn't matter that they were grateful in their own hearts. They didn't say it to God. They didn't go back to Jesus. They didn't express it. Unexpressed, how I said, unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. So how I said before too in the beginning, ingratitude communicates, I don't see, value, or appreciate you. Those other nine lepers, what they communicated to Jesus is I don't see you, I don't value you, and I don't appreciate you. In their hearts, they probably did, but they didn't express it. And Jesus didn't feel it because Jesus, that's why Jesus said that. Weren't there, like, where are the other nine at? All of a sudden, because it's not expressed, it's not felt. It's not heard. It's not known. It's not, the impact is not there. I wonder in our own lives how much we don't express gratitude to other people. When was the last time you expressed your gratitude to your wife or to your husband? When was the last time you expressed your gratitude to your kids? When was the last time you expressed your gratitude to your coworkers or to your boss, even though they might drive you crazy sometimes, <laughs> but still, they're like, you know, like they're, they're your boss, you know, and express gratitude to them. When's the last time you've expressed gratitude to other family members, expressed gratitude to strangers that you don't even know? Someone that's helping you bag your groceries and you just pick them up as if, They have to do it or whatever. Like, you know, it's like still you could always thank them for what they did. How come like so many times we don't express gratitude to God for all the blessings we have? Some of us were like, well, I'm the one that works for the blessings. Who gives you, who gives you the strength? Who gives you the talents? Who gives you the ability? Who gave you the breath this morning to breathe to do your job? Because if God doesn't give you that breath, tú vas a dormidito. You know, that's no worth, there won't be no work on that day if God doesn't give you the breath. When you realize that everything that we have comes from the hand of God, it changes everything. You see, after Jesus saw this, and, and, and like, Like to me, like even uh, reading it, 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 it was just, it stood out so much because how I said before, Jesus didn't have to highlight that. The scriptures didn't have to say that, but it was such a powerful thing that Jesus felt like they weren't grateful at all is because it wasn't expressed. And then you have the other person throwing himself to the feet. I wonder... Where are we if we would be on a scale? Let's say over here, not a scale like checking the weight after Thanksgiving is not a good idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like pretty much like a scale here from this side, extreme gratitude, willing to throw yourselves at the feet of Jesus. And here, having ingratitude, let's, but I'm saying in your heart, you're grateful, but you're not expressing it. Where would you find yourself? On this, because all of us, we're somewhere on this line. After that, after the leopard threw himself on the ground, Jesus says, then he said to him in verse 19, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Imagine even how he felt that the leper being healed, being at the foot of Jesus, expressing his gratitude, and then hearing Jesus say that, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Here, there's going to be a point behind me. It says this, your faith in Jesus is the gateway to miracles in your life. Your faith in Jesus is the gateway to miracles in your life. How many of us want miracles in our lives? I want miracles. I, I want to see miracles every day if I can. Like, you know, 
But the reason I, I want to emphasize this, this is a major, a major point. It's the gateway to miracles, meaning that it's the, pretty much a gate that God opens where he could pour miracles when you have faith in him. That doesn't mean it's a name it and claim it type of faith belief system. Because there's a lot of people that's like, well, I'm just going to name it. I'm going to claim it. And that's it. That miracle is mine. Let me tell you, God, when you have faith in God, he opens the gateway for the miracles to be poured down. But him being God decides what miracles are being poured down. He decides what he ordains to be poured down. Because a lot of um, Christians think that following Jesus is almost like a, like a buffet in a Chinese place. Like, I love Chinese buffets on a side note, but I haven't been to one in a long time. But you know what I mean? Like, you just pick and choose what you want, and that's what you get. It doesn't work that way. We serve God. God is king. We have faith in him. We believe in him. We walk in his promises. But then we just know that as we walk in faith, the gateway of miracles is open. And then we trust God's sovereignty as he pours down blessings upon our lives. Sometimes the blessings are not exactly how we expect or wanted it. But rest assured, God is pouring down miracles and blessings upon our lives. Now, a question I have for us is, are we ungrateful? Are we an ungrateful person? Like, it's, it's almost like it's tough to even say because it's like, who's going to admit it? It's like, yeah, I'm mad ungrateful. Like, you know, like who's going to raise their, don't raise your hand. I'm not asking anyone to raise their hand. But like, you know, when you think about it, it's like, it's tough to sit back, look at your heart and life and say, you know what? It's like, it's like, I'm, I'm ungrateful. And here I'm going to give you five like indications that could highlight that this is like some evidence that you might be a little ungrateful. So you could look at your own life and you make the evaluation. Spouses, don't be making it for your husband or your wife. You're going to get in trouble. You're about to be in a sofa tonight. All right? Don't be like, let each person do their own evaluation. Okay? For first one, are you an ungrateful person? It's hard for you to say thank you. I know I, that's pretty much given. It's hard for you to say thank you. Those two words are not really in your vocabulary. Like people do things for you. People bless you. People around your life help you make your life easier. But the reality is those two words you don't really use too often. Thank you. That's the first one. The second one is you are never satisfied. You're never satisfied. It doesn't mean that, like, like, like what I was going to say, you're never satisfied. You always want more, okay? You always want more. And I'm not saying that wanting more is a bad thing. I'm just saying that you're, you focus more on the more than what you have. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, it's like you're not content with what you have. All you fo focus on is all the other things that you want in your life. The third point is this, you're, you always compare, you're always comparing things or people. You're always comparing things or people to what you have or don't have. So, for example, like, if I would compare, uh, just to give you an example, like, me and my wife, like, my wife has a nicer car than me. Like, I have an older car. She has a nice car. She has the car that has the heated seats, like the back row heated seats. I have the car that feels like ice cubes and throws ice cubes on you. Like, there's no heated seats in my chairs, but her chair, she's got that nice one. So let's say if I'm always, like, looking and I'm always comparing myself to, Jen, like, to her car as an example, I'm not being grateful for what I have. I have a car that takes me from point A to point B. It's a nice car. It's not that car or like another car, but it's good. You know what I mean? It's a blessing. I'm grateful for it. You know, 
But if I'm always focusing and comparing to someone else, and it makes you feel a certain type of way, a certain type of way that you want that, a certain type of way that, like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't even appreciate what you currently have, but you're focusing more on what you don't have. Then you're, we're being ungrateful. That could be a car. It could be a house. It could be an apartment. You have a two-bedroom apartment. All of a sudden, you went to your friend's house. They have a three-bedroom apartment. And that's all you could think about, how you want that three-bedroom apartment. You know, it, it, it could be a job. It's like, you know, it's like, well, and this is the thing. The grass always looks greener on the other side. Always. Always. Always looks greener. Like, all of a sudden, you're comparing, and you're like, oh, it must be better to work over there. How do you know it must be better? From a distance, it looks better. The grass is greener wherever you water it. It's not comparing it to the other side. Number four is this. You complain a lot. Are there any complainers here? There's always something to complain. This morning, some flurries came out. And instead of saying, yo, I have to say it looks beautiful. It's like, I get frio. Yo, it's cold. I'm not going to church today. Like, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, it's like, yo, like each snowflake is like a little dart that's about to poke you in the eye. It's like, man, this keeps bothering me. Like, you know, it's like all of a sudden, it's like we find a reason to complain about everything. We complain about the temperature. We complain about like the car ride, the traffic, the, the, the people that are late, the things that are happening, um, the email that didn't come through. Like, you know, like there's always a list of things that we might complain for. So if you find yourself always with a comment to complain, um, there's certain things that you're not grateful for. The fifth point is this. You meet good news or new opportunity with instant negativity. Instant negativity. There's good news. Someone comes up to you and says, look, this is this, this is happening, or this is an opportunity. Instantly, it's like it's too good to be true. It's like it's too good. To be no, 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 no. Or instantly, you say, yeah, that sounds good, but... All of a sudden, that word comes out like immediately. It's like all of a sudden there's an opportunity. All of a sudden there's, there's something. It's like, but, and it's something negative. So when you think about it, it's like if we're programmed that way, it's like all of a sudden we're setting ourselves up not to be grateful. I'm going to give you just a couple points on how you, be, you can become a more grateful person. Number one is this. You know that every good thing you have comes from God. Every good thing you have comes from God. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven up, up above. So we need to realize that for us, knowing that every gift comes from God, every good gift comes from God, like we know that it wasn't our hands that earned it. It wasn't our hard work that earned it. It wasn't our brains that earned it. It was God's grace, his blessings over our lives, giving us the opportunity to accomplish those things. When you realize that everything that you have in your life that you could consider being good comes from God's hand, it changes everything. The second major thing that we need to do is this. You will not, you will not let what you want rob you of what you have. So many times we focus on the things that we want and that desire of what we want is robbing pretty much the peace within our hearts of what we have. And we don't even realize how much we have. Even right now, if you feel like you don't have anything, you don't own anything, 
you have so much more than so many other people, let's say, even in this world. Like some of you know, Jen and I, we've had the opportunity to uh, go to a couple different countries. And one of the countries we went to, we went to Kenya a couple years back, and we helped build a school in Kenya. We're part of a project that was happening there. It was an amazing, amazing time in Kenya. Um, The area that we were in was extremely remote, extremely remote. And um, just to explain to you how remote it was, when when the plane landed, and the plane was, you know, that plane was so tiny. I was, yeah, you better believe I was, I I was praying. I was talking to Jesus that whole flight. (laughs) That plane was so tiny. The pilot was like, yo, what's up? (laughs) Gave me a fist bump. I'm like, yo, Jen. And not to say I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm not like small. So it's like in a small plane, like literally I couldn't stand up in the plane. So I'm like, I came in the plane like this. I was like, Jen, yo, my neck. (laughs) So, you know, I had to sit down. So, we're in this little tiny plane. We land in the remote area in Kenya, and there's no landing strip at all. You're landing in a field. So all of a sudden, we land in the field, and as we're landing, in the process of landing, I look out. I was like, Jen, do you see that? She's like, I see them. There were zebras on the side on, uh, on the field. So here's the pilot trying to avoid the zebras, trying, try, trying to land the plane. So the reason why I, I share that story is just for you to get an idea of how remote it was where we were. And we were there, and the community that we were helping while we were there were extremely, extremely poor. Extremely, extremely poor. Like, I mean, I've seen poverty in other countries, but what I saw there was even a step higher, like uh, when it comes to the degree of poverty. The kids barely had clothes at all. Um, And just to show you how things were um, tough, the kids would walk two hours. Actually, a lot of them would run two hours to go to school. So just to show you how far things were from them and how remote the area is. A lot of the kids, while they um, pretty much run to school, they run with weapons because on the way running, they have to make sure in case a lion tries to attack them or an elephant, a wild elephant, it was a whole different world. I know here in Elizabeth, you know, we got to watch out other stuff. You know, going up Broad Street in Elizabeth Avenue, you never know. A Broad, Broad Street pigeon might poke you in the head. So, you know, you got to be careful. But it's a whole different world. But when I was there with these kids and families not having anything, I've, the, the amount of gratefulness that they had, the amount of love that they had, the appreciation that they had for everybody. The love they had for God was unbelievable, unbelievable. And the tightness of the community was something that it's rare to see. And you would think, like, honestly, like, we would talk about this. Like, we would feel, like, you know, you, you might feel sorry for them. Like, initially, you're like, oh, man, they don't have this or have that. They have stuff we don't have. Because when you think about it, they're not surrounded with things that they could compare to. Everybody's the same boat. Everyone there was impoverished to that level, but nobody there was without a smile. Like, it was, it was just unbelievable. You could even uh, talk to um, uh, Jen about it. But something that you clearly see, that what they had as little as it was, they appreciated it, they valued it, and they were extremely grateful. And they, it was amazing how their hearts and their lives didn't display any desire of wanting other things, but they were content where they were. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, it says this, 
The Apostle Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I could do all things through him who gives me strength. So here he's just pretty much saying because of Jesus, he could do it. Now, I just even want to highlight that verse, I could do all things. I know other translations through Christ who um, gives me strength. There, that verse so many times is taken out of context. In context there, it's highlighting the fact of the secret of being content. Being content in whatever circumstance is because I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Right there, you see the reason why that verse was written is pretty much saying no matter your circumstance, no matter your situation, whether you have a lot, where you have nothing, whether you're going through difficult times or everything is good, whether things are great or bad, whether there's issues, bad reports from the doctors, or different things being said, voices being said around you trying to tear you down, you know that you could do all things to Christ who strengthens you because he's the one that's in your heart and fills your heart, and he's the one that you're grateful for in the good and the bad and no matter what's happening. And what I love about that is that I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So right now, this moment for every single one of us, no matter what's happening in our lives, we could be content, giving God um, thanks, throwing ourselves at the feet of Jesus, knowing, and we could do that because he gives us the strength. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And the third point that we need to do so that we could have more of a grateful heart is um, you turn every blessing you have into praise. You turn every blessing you have into praise. We have to train ourselves when you think about it, is that when we receive blessings at that moment to respond in giving God praise. In Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5, it says this, Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. And what I love about here too is how it starts off, praise the Lord my soul. It's like reminding your soul you better praise the Lord. It's like, you better praise the Lord because God is good no matter what. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits because you know what? This world could easily make you forget how good God is. You know, our own minds can make us forget how good God is. The enemy can help us forget how good God is. And we have to remind ourselves like this, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. And I just want to say diseases, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, we could go to God in faith, but trusting in his sovereignty and in his timing that God has a way to do what he needs to do according to his vantage point. And then it says this, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As we close, I want to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The first part, give thanks in all circumstances, no matter what you're going through. Give thanks. No matter what you're going through. Some some of you watching through live stream and maybe sitting here, you're like, Carlos, but you don't know what's happening in my life right now. The passage said, in all circumstances, there's always something to thank God about. 
In all circumstances, we could turn to God. No matter how difficult things are for you right now, the fact that Jesus said he'll never leave you or forsake you and he's with you walking through the storm, that's something to thank God about. You might not want to be in the storm, but Jesus is in the storm with you. You can thank God that he's there present. In all circumstances, no matter what your bank account says, no matter what your bosses say, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter the disarray, the torment, the frustration, the sadness, the loneliness, the questions. I know there's so many people here that have questions. Like we wish that we could just ask God specific questions and get immediate answers to all of our questions. You know what? We're going to go through this life and we're not going to understand why God did certain things. We're not. We're not. I'm not here to tell you you will. I, who knows, maybe one day you, when you get to heaven, like, you know, like God says, look, I didn't respond the way you wanted me to because this is the reason. But in my opinion, I don't believe you're going to even ask him when you get to heaven. I believe at that moment when you see Jesus face to face, you're going to fall to your feet just like that leper. Just that, like that leper, you're going to fall to your feet And just thank God for watching over you throughout your whole life. All the prayers that you've done that were answered and unanswered, you just know God is good despite of everything. It says, give thanks in all circumstance. And then the next part of that verse said, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that because there's so many people that sometimes say, you know, what's God's will? Like, you know, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will? I mean, there's a lot of passages in the scriptures that point it out clearly. Here's one of them. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So right now, with every head bowed, I know in the beginning we had a time period of giving thanks, and we had a couple people that came forward. But I want every single person, just with their heads bowed, eyes closed, Don't be distracted by the person that's by you or your phone. Silence your phone. Don't look at your phone. I want you to picture yourself being on the journey of life. All of a sudden, while you're in this journey of life, you're healed. And I know that none of us here have leprosy, but there's certain things that God has healed us from, touched us, delivered us brought us through. Maybe we've been so busy with life. Maybe we consume our lives with work and career and school. Maybe we consume our lives with social media, being on Facebook, TikTok, and all these things that just entertain, but we haven't paused our lives to walk back to the source of every blessing, to walk back from the one that Walk back to the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. To walk back to the one that has a purpose for your life. To walk back to the one that has seen you through and carried you and sustained you when no one else was there for you. Go back to the one that has blessed you with your children. Go back to the one that's blessed you with your spouse. Go back to the one that's blessed you with your job. Go back to the one that's given you peace in the middle of the storm. Go back to the one that's provided for you even during the time period you didn't have work. Go back to the one that sees every tear that goes down your face while you cry yourself at night. And despite of the pain that you're going through, you have that comfort from God's love. So right now, I'm going to give you this time for you just to talk to God. And for those of you that are watching through the live stream, for you to also bow your heads and talk to God as well. God, we thank you so much for being God. God, we thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for being present in our lives. 
God, forgive us for taking you for granted, for going through our days and not returning to you to give thanks. God, transform us from the inside out. Give us a heart of gratefulness, God, not just towards you, but towards others in our church, in our lives, strangers that we see that we will learn to be grateful and to say thank you and to express it. Because unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. So God, let us always show how grateful we are of the God that we have and the blessings that you've poured upon our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. I love you very much. I thank God for each and every one of you. Just want to remind you on your way out, you'll have the opportunity to sign up um, in case you want to sign up for the CF Angel Tree. For any of the families with kids, you're able to do that. And also the Two Become One ministry. I know that they're having their event coming up. You can see Diane or China in the lobby as well. God bless you. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.